Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4 if you happen to bring your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, that is fine. I'm going to read it to you anyway. Some of you ain't very good readers, okay? I know you, okay? I'm going to put it in terms that you understand. I have my wife do it to me before church, so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, okay? Galatians chapter 4. So last week, uh, earlier in the week, I had a... a Local rancher contacted me. He's like, hey, you want to come tag calves this week? Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, about tagging calves, what, what we do is when a, when a calf is, is, is like a newborn or, or relatively newborn uh, on, on the birth side, not the other side, um, when, they're, when they're newborn, we, we put a tag in their ear that identifies, you know, uh, a lot of times ranchers will do one color for a for a. a for a boy calf and one color for a, for a little old gal calf, okay? And so we, we, we tag them by their sex, and then they'll put a, an identifying number. This local rancher does it to identify with its mama. It's kind of got the same number, so if the calf and the cow get separated, you know where they go. So anyway, we go out to tag calves. Now, we do it pretty Western style because what we do is we get on our horses and the calves take off running, and we run up behind them, and we rope them. Now, we don't do it like you see in the rodeos, because we're not that good, first off, okay? Those dudes do it in like eight seconds. I get pretty close to that around eight minutes, okay? I've brought it down from ten, okay? So usually I like to chase them till the little booger sits there and turns around and looks at me, and then it takes me three shots, and I got him, Okay? So anyway, that's what we did. So me and Ty and Robert, we go out there, and there's another fella, and, and we go out there to tag calves, and I'm a little nervous because it's been about a year since I tagged calves. And so, and, and, and Robert and Ty are both uh, real handy, so I didn't want to make a fool of myself, but y'all know me, right? But I get out there, and I, I start off pretty salty, okay? I mean... I, I, I was doing pretty good, and we had crossed the creek, and I was, I was chasing one, and I was just practicing on him, okay? He was a little bigger, so I decided to kind of scare him a little bit by throwing 16 loops at him before I was going to try to catch him, okay? You know, it's kind of like golf swings before you, you know, you hit on that par five or something. Anyway, speaking of golf, me and my son were watching the Masters the other day. I'm not much of a golf person, but he said, he said he's, he, for those that don't know, we adopted two boys from China uh, a year ago next month. And so he says, Baba, that's dad in Chinese. He's like, Baba, they, they say football? I said, yeah, they say football. He said, they say basketball? I said, yeah, they say basketball. He said, they say baseball? I said, yeah, they say baseball. He said, now why don't they call it golf ball? From now on, mandated from Save the Cowboys, it will be known as golf ball from now on, okay? But anyway, so anyway, I, I'm out there, and I'm taking my practice swings to rope this calf, and all of a sudden, I hear Ty and Robert and Jeremy going, hey, hollering at me, and they're all going like this. 
So I go loping over there, and uh, Ty has one roped, and Mama is not happy. Mama is not happy at all, which is, I mean, you know, go rope a mama's baby, and they're, they're generally not happy about it. And so, anyway, this mama is mad, but there's another twist to the story. She is blind as a bat. Well, not, not completely blind, but she'd be nearsighted, okay? I mean, she'd have to run up to her baby like this to see if it was her baby. It was a little strange. It really was. And so, anyway, she doesn't know whether to hit her baby or hit Ty's horse or hit my horse. It's kind of a wreck. So I'm kind of chasing her around, warming up still, of course, you know, because I'm going to rope mad mama, right? <laughs> rope the calf first, then you don't have to rope the mad mama. <laughs> and so anyway, I get up there and I'm kind of chasing her around. Well, God was on my side because she was so nearsighted and narrow-minded that I kind of chased her off from her cow because she could kind of see something behind her and she run off and she lost track of everybody. <laughs> so anyway, while I'm off chasing her around, uh, they were able to get off and tag the calf. And of course, a little booger was fine and, and uh, all of that. But 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, I hear Ty, get over here, get over here. We've got another one, but it don't end so well this time. I'll tell you about that in just a second. You know, we're here for Easter, okay? There's probably not very many people than my little girlfriend in the white dress over here that doesn't know the Easter story. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you a story that you probably already know. That Jesus, the Son of God, came and He lived a perfect life and the, the very people He was meant that He come to save ended up having Him crucified on the cross. And then on that cross, He died and they put Him in a grave. And after three days, this man did exactly what He said that He would do Way before it ever happened, he said, they will hand me over and they will have me crucified and in three days I'm going to come back from the dead. You know who would make a statement like that? One or two people. Either he was God or he was a madman. When he come back from the grave, he proved which one he was. He proved which one he was. What did he accomplish on that cross? What In that three days, not just dying on the cross, but being raised from the dead, what was accomplished in that three days? The three, thing, uh, three things, I'm not saying that this is the only three things, but three things that were accomplished that day was you now have eternal life. If you believe that that was the Son of God and that He died so that you don't have to, that he was punished for your sins, and you sure enough got him just like I do. That you have eternal life. The second thing is we are now made right with God based upon his sacrifice, not our works. In other words, we don't have a long list of rules that we have to obey, and, and God's walking around going, well, you didn't do so good on that rule, so me and you, we ain't right right now. That's the way it used to be. Now we are made right with God by our faith in Jesus Christ. And the third thing is that now we have a personal relationship 
with God. See, before Jesus came and accomplished in those three days, what would happen is there was a temple and there was a sacrificial system and God resided in that temple behind a real thick curtain and only the high priest could go in there and take everybody's prayers and make them to God. But no more did we have to go through a high priest because now we have a high priest named Jesus and he allows us to come straight up to God. No longer is God separated from man to the extent that we don't even need a temple anymore because the Spirit of God resides in every single one of us. Happy Easter. But you know what? Just like that nearsighted cow, we are blind and have been run off from a fourth thing. One more thing. This one thing is what I'm going to talk about the rest of the time, and it's not going to be very long. If you, I know most of you want a two-hour service, but I'm not going to give it to you. Okay, I know. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. No. <laughs> yeah, Ty's going to have to get on his drum set to give me some sound effects here. But we are. We're blind. And the devil has chased us off from the fourth thing. And it can transform your life. That fourth thing is found in Galatians chapter 4. Four through six. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem. Now, what redeem means? That's a real big fancy word for he has paid the price like a ransom. Okay? He has redeemed us. He has purchased us from death to redeem those that are under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. In other words, the four things that were accomplished in those three days is you can have eternal life. You can be made right with God. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, God is not mad at you. The, I, I know the things that you have done. I know the feelings that you have felt, but God is not mad at you. He has brought you here today not to condemn you, but to tell you how much He loves you and how much He wants you to be with Him. We have eternal life. He is not mad at us. Jesus made it right, not just for a little while, for all time, for those that believe in Him. God is no longer mad. We have a personal relationship with God. And the fourth thing, we have become sons and daughters of God Himself. And you think, so? What does that mean? What does that mean? It says that we might receive adoption to sonship. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, the Bible, you know, it's still full of how many times are you supposed to forgive somebody? Many times as it takes, right? Aren't we supposed to love those that don't love us? Yeah. But you know what? That is a reflection of God's character. Because you know what? He'll forgive you as many times as it takes as long as you believe. And He loves you like a dad cannot love his son. I'm reading a book right now called Fearless by Eric Bream about a, a Navy SEAL named Adam Brown. And on the day Adam Brown was killed that morning, he wrote a letter to his son and at the end of this letter, he says, he says, I'm not worried about dying. And even if I do, I'll be there when you hit your first base hit. 
I'll be there when you smash somebody on the football field. His son was 10 years old, riding from Afghanistan. I'll be there when you smash somebody on the football field. I'll be there to celebrate when you make straight A's. But more important than all of that, I will be there for every mistake and for every failure. Because you know what? I know what pain is. And I know what failure is like. And I know what it's like to not know if you can go on. But I will be there. And if you never forget one thing, son, remember this. You will never disappoint me. That's what he said to his son. His last words to his son in the letter. You will never disappoint me. The Bible says, if you who are evil and sinners know how to be good fathers, how much more does your Father in heaven love you? That's why it is so important that we are now, because of what Jesus did, we are sons and we are daughters of God Himself. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, which means Daddy or Father. What does sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts mean? He's talking about us being sons, right? That whole little deal is saying that Jesus did all that so we could become children of God. Sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-control. Maybe you haven't been going to church very long, or maybe you've been going to church for a long time, but most people's views of Christians are fear and timidity. Oh, let's just be nice and love people. Let's not be ugly to anybody. We just have to say nice things and don't say four-letter words. That is not Christianity, okay? God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, one of love. And one of self-control, that's what lives inside of you whenever you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Ty and Robert and Jeremy are going, come here, come here. So I go over there and there's another mad mama. Nobody's getting off their horse. So I come in there, throw a loop, two hind feet. She lays down. That's how it's done, cowboys. <laughs> Robert had roped this one, so Ty gets to tag it. Proceed, Ty while I hold this massive animal for you so she doesn't eat you alive. I didn't say anything when she was laying there all nice and went like this with her back legs. And one leg came out. I was like, whoops. So inside, I'm like, hurry, Ty. Hurry, Ty. Ty, quit talking. Ty, she gets up now and Ty can see. <laughs> that she's only by one hind leg. Well, when you've only got one hind leg on a big old cow, eh, you can slow her down a little bit. And about the time she got up, she pulled me and a big old bay horse right at Ty, and Ty had to put his running shoes on. Here he goes. <laughs> and the bad part is he run right in between me and the cow, so I couldn't help him. Well, that's not true. He did, he, it was a long story of why he did that, but he run that way. 
but he could feel her right on his Wrangler pockets, and I, I pulled Butthead over. That's my horse, Butthead. And uh, not because he acts bad. Just he's a really nice-looking horse, except for his butt and his head. And um, right in the middle, he's gorgeous. Never see a better-looking horse. Between them four legs, beautiful. And so anyway, I pulled him off to the side, and that rope came tight about that far from Ty's hind end. But you know, when I held that cow from getting Ty, it wasn't my power that I used, but one that had been given to me by the horse. We have been given a power, not our own. We have been given a love that is stronger than we are capable of. And we are given self-control to withstand the devil that tries to chase you down and muck you out. He kept his head. He might not have kept anything below the belt, but he kept his head. And he knew where to go. For we have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power and love and self-control. A little while later, we're out there. And I'm fixing to have to have shoulder surgery. Because as the orthopedic surgeon says, what do you do to yourself? So anyway, my, my, old, my old roping arm was getting, getting pretty tired. That's no excuse, but me and Ty were taking off after this one, and I'd already missed it once, and I think Ty had missed it once, and, or Ty was fixing to miss it, and it was lined out, and I was trying to haze for him, right? You would be amazed at how fast about a three-day-old calf can run just nearly outrun a horse. And so we're flying out across the pasture at full stupid, and uh, you know both of us are grinning because it's fun, right? And I'm trying to keep that calf going straight because they're like a jet fighter, and we're like bombers, right? We can't necessarily follow them. And so I'm trying to line it out, and Ty throws, and he misses. And as soon as he misses, he kind of pulls up, so the calf kind of gets tired and starts trotting along, and I'm like, hey. So I scoot over there, and I promise you, that calf, his nose was on my horse's right front knee. And I went <laughs> and missed. <laughs> and the first thing I did was look to see if Ty saw it. And guess what I saw? <laughs> if that wasn't bad enough, Ty's rebuilding and he comes by me and he goes, It's hard to rope it when they're nursing your horse. I rebuked him in the name of God. <laughs> but you know what? There's something else that's just right there in front of all of us right now. It's right there. We can reach out and touch it. But, but a lot of us, we don't know. In John 11:25, John 11:25, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. See, a lot of us think of Christianity as we get to live forever after we die. Uh, you know, it, it seems like everything in Christianity, all the good stuff is just after you die, right? I, I've honestly, I've felt that way before. You're like, oh yeah, you know, I want to live forever, but this kind of, this stinks right now, you know? But yet, if we truly believed in what Jesus said, didn't he say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly? 
Didn't Jesus say, learn from me, for I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So why are we so anxious? Why are we still living in fear? Because we have forgotten that we are sons of God. We have forgotten that we're daughters of God. And what is God called in the Bible? He is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you are his kiddo. What do you call a kid, a child of a king, a prince? What do you call a girl, daughter of a king, a princess? It may sound just a little bit corny, but that's exactly what you are. You are a prince. Not in this world, in the kingdom of God. No longer do we have to abide by this world's laws of trying to get ahead and striving for power and, and worrying about money and worrying about how skinny we are or how, you know, that I can't grow facial hair except on my chin and, you know, just... We don't have to worry about all of that anymore because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You can have a great life starting right now. Why? Because our Lord and Savior went to a cross and raised Himself from the dead three days later so that you could have that life, not just in the next one, but here today. So how do you live? How are you supposed to live if you were a son or a daughter of the King of Kings? What does a prince act like? What does a princess act like? Well, we could spend, let's go ahead and spend that other hour and a half on that, okay? No, not really. I'm joking. I'm joking. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, Paul says, But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Three things he tells you right there, and I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to give them to you. I ain't going to explain them or anything, because this part is going to be between you and God. This is where you get to choose. Am I going to continue to struggle in this life like I have been, or am I going to believe what that skinny, handsomely rugged, good-looking preacher had to say? Okay, You have that choice today. Some of you might choose wrong. I hope not. Paul said, stand firm. You no longer have to cower and kneel to the ways of this world. You can stand up. You do not have to be bowed down by sin. You are no longer a slave to this world. You are a son of God. Paul says, let nothing move you. You notice the way he says that? Let nothing move you. That means nothing can move you unless you allow it. Let nothing move move you. The Bible says that angels nor demons nor anything in this world can separate us from the love of God. And because of that love of God, we have been given a spirit, not of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-control. You are more powerful than you can ever imagine. And you're not going to use it for yourself. You're going to use it for others so that they can have that power also. A power to live an abundant life. And we're going to do that by standing firm. We're not going to bow our heads and walk like we're slaves anymore. We are the sons of the man that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We are cowboys in his outfit. To gather, to grow, and to go out into this world. And make disciples of all men and all nations. 
We're going to stand firm. We're going to let nothing move us. And we're going to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I'm telling you right now that nothing, no matter what you've been searching for your entire life, nothing will fulfill you until you give your life to the Lord and you put 100% of everything you have into that relationship and your life will be transformed. You choose today whether to continue to walk along feeling like a slave always filled with anxiety and addiction and depression and worry, with sickness, with complaining and moaning. Or you can stand up straight and walk tall and be the prince and princess, be the son of God that he so desperately wants you to be. Let's go to him in prayer. God, we thank you so much for sending your son to provide us with everything that we have today. And God, in return, we're going to provide something to you. We're going to give our lives to you. Why do we need to do that? It's because that you are all we need. Your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. You are all we need. And there are some people here today that they thought they understood that, but they don't. Please, God, do not let them leave here today without dedicating their entire existence. Yeah, their friends are going to say what happened, and yeah, their lives are going to change, but it's, it's not going good the way it is right now. God, you are our Lord. You sent your Son to be our Savior, and because of Him, we now can become your kiddos. That transformation is available to anybody right now that says, God, I, I'm a sinner and I know that I've done wrong and I'm sick of living this life that I am right now, but I want to know you and I want to live an abundant life down here and more importantly, I want to live forever with you. Your life can change today. God, don't let them leave here without making that decision. Amen.